Welcome back to Black on the Air. This is Larry Wilmore. Nice to have you guys dropping in today. It is a glorious day. I'm recording this Saturday morning, getting the official call from the networks not too long ago that Joe Biden is the president-elect of the United States and that Kamala Harris is the vice president-elect. It's going to be all right, niggas. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I just been crazy, crazy this morning. I'm so happy about this, as a lot of people are. It's nice to get the that declaration from the networks. You know, votes are still being counted, votes are still being certified, but it is clear. It is a clear projection. CNN, MSNBC, even Fox. Fox is so funny, having to admit that Biden has beaten the Tangerine Idi Amin is finally gone, y'all. They're getting out of that place. Ah, so great. Um, I have Cornell uh, Belcher on my show, MSNBC analyst, dropping by. We're going to talk about this, uh, a lot of the aspects of it. That's going to be a fun conversation coming up. I, I Guys, I have no way in. This news is the way in. This is it. What more do I have to say on a day like today? Except for, remember to watch my show, Peacock. <laughs> Wilmore. Uh, we're actually, it comes on tonight, Saturday instead of last night. And we actually shot it yesterday. So it wasn't official, even though I acted like it was official. And that was a, a really fun episode. So tune in tonight, watch Wilmore. We'll talk more about this. This is going to be a fun conversation coming up with Cornell. He's in DC right now. But man, this is huge, guys. There's a lot of troubling things about this election, a lot of, a lot of good things. The result is the good thing. In the next few weeks, we'll be unpacking <clears throat> some of that stuff. You know, in the next year, of course, we'll be looking at, at a lot of these issues. I want to look at and see if a lot of the issues that have been in the streets this year and a half, see how they get picked up by this administration and what happens. And we'll see. You know, Biden and Harris are going to have a tough time. It's not going to be easy, but I'd rather have them having a tough time right now than Trump just fucking up the country. That's how I look at it. Anyhow, that's all. I'm real happy, you guys. Um, let's all, everybody who... <laughs> cares about this in the same way. Whew, take a deep breath. You know, time to celebrate, you know. And if if Trump was your boy, I don't even know why you're listening, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate it, but you may not want to listen to my show today. Uh, you may want to think about why Trump is your boy, too, you know. Um, anyhow, that's it. We got Cornell Belcher coming up, but first this. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. What does your next drive look like? Running between meetings? Maybe a getaway with the whole family? Either way, the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life with premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. All right, welcome back, everybody. Hmm, it's such a such a great day right now, you know, and it's so nice to have uh, to have this gentleman on. He's the president of Brilliant Corners Research and Strategies. You see him all the time, uh, covering all these uh, political situations on MSNBC, and he's in NBC, also political analyst Cornell Belcher. Cornell, welcome to Black on the Air, my friend. <laughs> I am so thrilled to be on your show. I, I can't even tell you. I, I am thrilled. Thank you for having me. 
Oh, it's, man, I can't tell you. It's my pleasure on this joyous day. And I have to say, we're recording this like minutes after it has been officially declared that Joe Biden going to be the next president and Kamala Harris is going to be our next vice president, Cornell. How are you feeling? I have not been this happy in a long time. Yeah. You know, I uh, I, I worked for Obama in 08 and 12. That's right. The Obama yeah, yeah. campaigns were a big deal and we were oh, we were thrilled. It was a it was yep. a breakthrough. But I'm 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 happier now than I was then because I think eggs were higher now. Yeah, than they were then. Yeah, they really were. It was the Obama presidency. It was so different. You know, first of all, you know, he wasn't running against an incumbent. There was this sense of history that we were all kind of we felt we were at the uh, crevice of. You know, all that type of thing. And this is different. This is really feeling like. America said, no, 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 we're not going to stand for this kind of shit. That's what it felt like to me. Well, and, and let's parse that up. That, that, that's parse yeah, that when up. I say America, four million more Americans. <laughs> <laughs> There's also this, look, I, I think that we can we can celebrate that the majority chose the light over the darkness. And I, look, and I, and I don't say this lightly, mm-hmm. I think this was more important because I think our democracy was on the line. Yeah, because uh, if you see the sort of authoritarian sort of behavior and the sort of corruption and lawlessness that this that this administration represented, I, I think literally our democracy was on the ballot this time this this time around in a way that it has not been in a long in a long long time. And yet, what I really want to talk about when we talk about partially, part, you know, how we parse this up is. Black people save this democracy again. Absolutely. Completely. Absolutely. <laughs> and Black women in particular, man. Um, I mean, the work that Stacey Abrams has done and people like her, uh, just the the messaging, the footwork, the blood, sweat, and tears, um, the dedication to this, sometimes not getting the credit for it, many times not getting credit for it. 2018, by the way, you know, the difference that was made back then, uh, the part of like, I'm very emotional today, and part of my emotions are that as well. Are you feeling that type of thing, too? I, I am, because mm-hmm. I'm also cautious, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm worried about the future, uh, Larry. Yeah. And this is, why am I worried about the future? I'm worried about the future because 57% of white voters voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. Right? The, you know, he won a solid majority of, of white voters. 55% mm-hmm. of white women voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, knowing all that we know, and looking back at, at this last, you know, almost four years, and you look back at the chaos, and you look back at the division, mm-hmm. you look back at this, the flat out, you know, embracing of white nationalism. Yeah. And and you look at sort of his bungled response to, to COVID with, with so many Americans dead, and you go, the majority of, of white Americans still want four more years of this? And it is very telling that, Many of us had hoped, Larry, that his overt, you know, championing of of race of racial calls and 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 racism would disqualify him to more white voters this time. Like, uh-huh. and the you know, first time around, well, perhaps you didn't know. Uh, this time around, you know, uh-huh. and you still chose tribalism. The the cautious part, and I'm bringing us down, Larry. I'm sorry, but uh, the no, cautious no, part this is, is why I have you in. <laughs> this is very thoughtful. <laughs> the cautious uh-huh. part is. We are perhaps more tribal tribal today than we were at any point in our history because 
and I and I talk about this in my in my book is you know Obama was a breakthrough, but it wasn't a breakthrough that most people think. Obama won with in two thousand and eight by garnering while garnering just forty three percent of the white vote. Mm-hmm. John Kerry garnered the same forty three percent of the white vote before and lost. Right, yeah. it was the country went the opposite direction. The difference between Obama and Kerry were several million more people of color mm-hmm. uh, and young people. And some of those people had not been actively involved in the political system and showed up for Obama. That is absolutely right. In fact, mm-hmm. approximately 11 percent of the electorate in 2008 were people who mm-hmm. had not been participating. And by right. the way, without that electorate, Barack Obama does not become president. Right. Completely. So right. that's the ascending America. But that's also uh, there's not a lot of times in our, in our history where the, the the majority of white people could want the country to go in one direction, and the country go in the opposite direction. So, for a lot of them playing the zero sum racial game, mm-hmm. the the wolf was not at the back door anymore. The yeah. wolf was in the living room, and and so when people made these calls there about we want to take back our country. Yeah, I was clear about what they meant when they say we got to take back our country because because they they were clear. Like losing their country. <laughs> they were clear. <laughs> they were very clear about that. <laughs> I that was not like a dog whistle. That was a a a police whistle as far as I was concerned. Well, for us, but mm-hmm. but but pe- mm-hmm. folks in the media, a lot of our friends yeah. in, the, in the media were like, "Oh, you know, this about their economic angst." <laughs> no, mm-hmm. it's not. Their economic angst. Cornell's sitting outside right now, and a bee is attacking him. It's very, very cool. Even the bee is excited. <laughs> I'm going to make some honey. Let me go make some honey. Let me go make some honey today. Or am I a Trump supporter? <laughs> Damn Trump supporting yeah, bees. Exactly, you are DC. I think that that is valid, but I I do think that it is layered, uh, Cornell. I I really do feel that a lot of this is a a cultural contest that we're in right now as well. And by culture, I mean the left and the right. There's been a lot of building left resentment of people. And by left, oh, some of it is racial, but it expands to that. You know, it is this uh, uh, different view of what this country is and what are the values of this country. You know, I, I have many friends on both sides and I can just, the conversations are so different and it astounds me that, that we can have such different views of the country. And I'm talking about people who are not racist, you know, who are not leading with that, who like maybe roll their eyes at Trump, but they can't imagine themselves supporting the left. You know, have, what, what is your sense of that? Tim? Well, because, because racism isn't a disqualifier. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, look, I, I think for a lot of uh, sort of our, our friends of, of color who are baffled, I mm-hmm. the fact that racism isn't a disqualifier, but but Larry, when has racism ever been a disqualifier for white people uh, throughout their history? I mean, everyone, <laughs> uh, if racism was disqualifier, they would have had to disqualify many of the members of their family throughout throughout history. So they come at it from a, from a different place, mm-hmm. from a different context. However, what I think we have to move the conversation towards is this: is as as we become more diverse, because Larry, the country's not going to get wider. Yeah, it's <laughs> unless, they, unless, they, unless they got a unless they got a plan, they're not telling us about. <laughs> yes. the country isn't going to get wider. Yes, the so, country is in a tanning booth. It is not. <laughs> uh, it's not in the shade right now. So we can't keep kicking these the this can down the road. Mm-hmm. 
we're going to have to learn to talk about race and tribalism in a different way than I think we've had to do in the past because, because this is how America fails. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of this division, because of this, this turmoil, this is how America doesn't win the future. Like we mm-hmm. know that America's not going to lose because some outside power is going to come invade us and take us over. No, we're going to lose because we implode because we can't get along. Mm-hmm. And I, I am, and I and I, I hate to sort of talk this way on such a celebratory day. Mm-hmm. Is I am nervous because because I believe this. I think I believe power concedes nothing. Mm-hmm. And we are a democracy, unlike any other first world democracy, a modern first world democracy, where if by by the principles of democracy, uh, in the next 15 or so years, the minority is going to slowly become the majority in this country. Mm-hmm. And we're going to find out if we really do believe in the principles of democracy. Mm-hmm. One person, one vote. Do we really believe in democracy or do we just believe in democracy if it if it keeps one group in power? And if it, and if it threatens the power of that group, do we see democracy slipping away? But what is the nature of our democracy? I mean, many people say, well, this isn't a democracy. This is a republic. You know, um, you know, we have representatives who we, you know in trust with, with the decision-making on these things, you know? Like, what is the... I was asking this question, I had Mehdi Hassan on my show yesterday, and I was asking about what does the will of the people actually mean? You know, does it mean majority vote? Maybe not. Does it mean majority representation, or does it mean majority opinion? I mean, many, oftentimes the will of the people is determined by nine people in black robes. Like, which one is our country? Which one is expressing the will of the people? And think about this, Cornell. Come, we don't have a mandate or a majority in making things happen. Joe Biden is going to have huge obstacles, you know, if the, you know, with the Republican Senate, it doesn't look like it's going to be Democratic. It might be close, you know, but I don't think it's going to turn. I don't know how you feel about that, but it doesn't look like those numbers are there. There's going to be obstructionism for the next few years, and we're still going to be in COVID and climbing out of this economy. I mean, this is, he arguably may have it harder than Obama had in 08. Yes and no. Well, to, uh, a couple things. And there was one, a lot in that. So I apologize. Yeah, there was a we'll lot part, in that. So we'll I'm parse I'm through a, that. So, yeah. There's a lot of questions, a lot of questions for me to answer. <laughs> yeah. What they yeah. One is, well, the good thing is um, the South has something to say, which is all what all my Atlanta friends are texting me. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something from from hip hop culture. The South has something. Oh yeah, exactly. And, and, and um, I would say it's gonna be all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we do. We are gonna have two runoffs in Georgia. Um, mm-hmm. And let's think about this. This, but but this is also part of the part of why we are becoming more tribalized at the same time. Because take a mm-hmm. look at what's happening in Georgia. A mm-hmm. South Republican state historically in the, in, yeah. in, in the South and the diversification that's happening in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Georgia's, Georgia's one of the youngest states, has one of the y- largest population of young people, and it's mm-hmm. also increasingly more diverse. Mm-hmm. That is the breakthrough that's happening in, pla- in, in, places, in places, like, places like Georgia. So mm-hmm. you're going to have a runoff there that's going to determine who controls the Senate. Yeah. Um, 
And so again, the talk about Warnock's race and the Warnock race and off. Yes. And also, um, Mm -hmm. and, and uh, once again, the political sort of power Mm -hmm. of black people uh, is going to weigh heavily in what happens in, 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 in that, in that election. Uh, mm-hmm. But also the goodwill of of a moderate swath of of better educated white people who come mm-hmm. along and as as a part of that major, majority coalition, um, so they're going to determine the outcome of of what what happens in the Senate. But I, but I also, Larry, I want us to put context around this around mm-hmm. your point about about harder than Barack Obama, and people forget this. But as someone who works for for about at least on the Obama campaigns. They wouldn't let me in the White House because I wouldn't bet. Uh, Is but, that true? <laughs> well, no, I didn't actually want to work in the White House, but no, I uh, wouldn't bet because because I like drinking and uh, and strip clubs. So, um, wow, <laughs> <laughs> kind of not completely tongue in cheek. Uh, which is a uh, about three jokes right there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, but the so Mitch McConnell <laughs> and, and Newt Gingrich and the whole cadre of Republicans mm. gathered, as as you might recall, the news reporting on this, the, the I think it was the day before, the night before the inauguration of Barack Obama, and yeah. they did this. They did something that that most people who have, you know, study the history of politics would argue has not happened before. Mm-hmm. They said, they concluded that we are going to block everything Barack Obama tries to do. Mm-hmm. In order to make him a failed president, right? I remember. We were going to block everything, regardless. And look, in in the past, you would have parties, you know, say, "Okay, we're going to challenge right. the president on this, and this is where we can negotiate because we want this to happen." Mm-hmm. But here are a couple of things that where we're going to we're going to challenge the president on. Mm-hmm. Now, that was that, that's politics as usual, right? Is 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 here's some things we're going to work with him on to try to get accomplished, and then here's some things we're just we're just going to fight this tooth and nail. Now, mm-hmm. the Republican establishment as a whole, Larry, said we're going to block everything, mm-hmm. regardless of what it is. We're going to fight everything. Yeah, and that hadn't happened before, but it happened to the first black president. Oh yeah, no, I remember, and Mitch McConnell kept to that. And the ramifications of that, you know, coming out in the judiciary with all the blocked appointments from Obama, as you remember, even with uh, Amy Covid Barrett, you know, uh, having that stolen seat and having two stolen seats, you know, her first appointment and then the second one is ridiculous. But those that kind of um, way that Mitch McConnell has changed things is, are we in that permanent situation right now? Or do you think Biden is the type of figure that can bring back the old style back? Because he was kind of, he was around when the Senate and all that stuff was more collegial. You know, they were that, uh, the happy opposition, you know, you know, you were opposing someone, but Tip O'Neill and Reagan would go have drinks afterwards, you know, that type of thing. Do you think that that has a chance to come back or here's the other side of it. A lot of there's a lot of people that don't even want that. They're like, no, motherfuckers, fuck you. We don't we're not trying to compromise with you at all. <laughs> you know, like and I'm saying this, this is like both sides, you know, yeah. where like a lot of people on the left are saying, No, 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 we don't care what those niggas have to say. We don't want any of that shit, you know. I I think we may be more in that world than in the let's compromise, let's let's put our arms across the aisle. Well, for sure. Biden's history is one of a deal maker. 
Yes. Um, and someone who always going to look for the deal and try to make work a deal with the other side. And, and in the past, but here's my point, Larry, in the past, that has, that has been the way Washington has operated. That's why our system has progressed mm-hmm. and moved forward through. That's what it was built for. Right. Through right. depressions, through wars, mm-hmm. has worked. Mm-hmm. Not perfectly, but it has worked. And it has worked until the first black man became president on the backs of a diverse coalition of Americans. And he came into, and came into power. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, um, Congress is broken like it's never been broken before. And I'm not going to pretend that they don't correlate. Yeah. What was uh, also uh, so terrible was the gerrymandering that had gone on and how I think smart Republicans were about controlling that at the time where it seemed like Democrats were asleep for a while in 2010. (laughs) I mean, honestly, you were in the thick of it back then. But remember all those state legislatures? It was a blitz. Yeah. It wasn't just like the Congress and Senate and everything, because those type of midterm things happened. It was the country as a whole. Uh, and it it almost like it happened in front of people and people's eyes were kind of glazed over and didn't really notice it till it was too late. Well, I, I will tell you this, I, you know, and I'm not going to say it because I work for him, but but Howard Dean tried to raise the alarms on it. Mm-hmm. Is that when he was screaming? Is that uh, no, that was that, that <laughs> oh, oh, okay. That's a different alarm. Hardy, uh, yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite people in politics. Most, yeah. Larry, one of the most genuine people in politics. You should have yeah. you had him on. Have, have you had? I've him never on? met. Him. No, I've never had. Yeah. You should have him on. Go- Governor Dean is is, is yeah. smart. He he is he is, and he's such a genuine good person. Yeah. And, and look, I work in politics. Sure. There's you know when you find genuine, straightforward, good people, you you should embrace them. Um, but Governor Dean, when he was chair of the party, he tried mm-hmm. to move re, move resources to the states, and mm-hmm. and and to the grassroots in the states, and because mm-hmm. the National Democratic Party had been so focused on the federal elections, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and because you know all the focus has been on the federal elections and paying such a little attention to the stuff in, in the states or the local races and the state led races while Republicans were organizing school boards. Right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that's how you build, and that's how you build a bench and that's how you build political, political power. Started from the bottom, you know, now they're yeah, here. Right. right. <laughs> Hopefully over, you know, you know, moving forward, we will see more attention mm-hmm. paid to, paid to, paid to sort of down ballot. But there's also, but the problem also here is Larry's is, is there's you know the, the national parties aren't what the national parties uh, yeah. once were because of super PACs, right. and, and so many millions, dare I say billions of dollars going to super PACs, who who aren't about party building, who aren't about mm-hmm. the grassroots, uh, that would take most of that money and put it up on television, mm-hmm. <laughs> and on paid communications as opposed to grassroots party building. And I think, I think. I think progressive the progressive community would be a lot better off if we put more time and attention into good old fashioned party building. That's interesting. Like to me, that's going to be difficult for both parties right now. And one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, it feels like this. If ever there was a time, and I know people always bring this up for a third party, it seems like the country may be ripe for that now. And the reason why I say this is because when I look at both parties, and this is as objective as I can be in this, it does seem like there is a break in like the democratic party between the left and the moderate ring wing, or I'll, I'll, I'll say the, the uh, traditional party 
type of wing, you know, establishment wing. How about that? You know, um, like it does seem like there's a break that is getting a little wider. Now, with Biden in power, who knows? In the Republican Party, these never Trumpers and those type of people have a real break with uh, the we'll call them Trumpies, you know, because they're not really establishment Republicans. I don't know what I don't know what uh, canister to put those Republicans in, but that's a that's a huge uh, difference of what the party should be right now. And do do we think there's some kind of thing that's happening that we're not seeing right now that's going to change our political system? Because as you say, the old system is broken. So something has to take that place of the broken old system. That, I mean, that, that, that's such a good question. Th- that there are challenges to, to there's mm-hmm. reasons why that third parties don't work in this country. Sure. Even, even when well-funded by billionaires like uh, Ross Perot. Right. Um, right, right. You know, yeah. structurally, they, structurally, they, they have not been able mm-hmm. to succeed and, and build anything long lasting, but also mm-hmm. part of it is look and, and I'm not being partisan. Mm-hmm. Um, here, but if you look around the 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 ten of the Democratic Party, you have everything from socialists to <laughs> to 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 Southern conservatives there, mm-hmm. and somehow Nancy Pelosi s- seems to keep them all, <laughs> you know, is able to, to sort of herd the cats. Um, while on the other side, um, I, and I, I've. And people talk about this before. It's a lot easier to organize the Republicans because because they are so monolithic, right? Uh, they are overwhelmingly white, uh, overwhelmingly conservative, um, and overwhelmingly of of uh, you know of of a certain religion. Um, so I think there has so you know so they they've been easier to organize up until Trump. And what I what makes me say mm-hmm. that is, is you have a Republican Party right now where, where the case that Governor Kasich's of the world and even right. the Bushes of of the world yeah. don't fit into that party anymore. The, Cornell, they're hated. They they <laughs> don't only fit in; they're hated. <laughs> right. Like Mitt Romney's hated by his own party. That's what astounds me. These people are hated. They're not just you know. Well, he thinks that they're actually hated. You can't have one Republican Party where the Bushes and the Kasichs don't fit. Yeah, I think there's going to there's going to be a a war within the Republican Party now that Donald Trump mm-hmm. has, lost. and I don't know what yeah. the outcome of that outcome of that is going to be. You know, to, on on the Democrat on the Democratic side, you know, so far, mm-hmm. um, you have the the the, the social the, the really sort of Democratic Socialist branch mm-hmm. of the of the party. Has not, has you know, that don't that sort of the, the hatred that you just talked about of mm-hmm. uh, the Trumpers versus the 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 Bushes and the Kasichs that you see in the Republican Party. You don't actually see that in the Democratic Party yet. I was going to say yet, yet, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but once you have the levers of power and people aren't getting what they want, that's when you come face to face with, okay, what are you really going to do? We did all this work for you. Who are you listening to right now? You know, um, that's how it's supposed to work. That I mean, is how, it, yeah, it, right. You know, it's competing interest groups. I mean, right. that's right. Madison, uh, you know, the, the system of government we have set up is for interest groups to compete. Yes, uh, and and have checks and balances in there. So, I mean, one of the things I tell about 
and so I sort of say for you know for African Americans all the time and, and also Latino voters all the time is um yeah, it is okay to demand things. Yeah. <laughs> you should demand things. Yes. But at the same time, what what I what I think is problematic, especially for our younger, um, for our younger mm-hmm. Larry is is there is this absolutism that yeah. I think is problematic. That's a good way and, to put it. Yeah. And it is, I want this and I want it the way I want it, or mm-hmm. or I'm just bolting. And it's sort of not, no compromising. I'm not choosing between the lesser of two evils. But, and I think the problem with that is, is it ignores the fundamentals of politics, right? Politics one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Get what you can get when you can get it and then right. come back to the That's politics one-on-one. That's politics one-on-one for any interest group. I'm going to get whatever I can get when I get it, when I can get it. And then, hell yeah, I'm going to come back for more, some more, right? That's how mm-hmm. politics goes to work. You got a cadre of folks here that's saying, you know what? No, if I can't have it my way all the time, and then I, then bye. Um, and and in 2016, you saw so many young people uh, saying, you know, I'm not going to choose between the lesser of two evils. Mm-hmm. And what really? And look, I get that from a moral standpoint, mm-hmm. that purity standpoint. But what really is problematic for me, Larry, especially when you see young people of color, you know, doing that is. Larry, my granddaddy had to have a choice of lesser two evils his entire life. Every day, Absolutely. he had to make the choice between lesser two evils, or his black ass would not make it. Yeah, you know, our grandparents, who especially my grandparents who grew up and had to navigate the South, mm-hmm. they're not making a choice of lesser two evils. Hell yeah, it's called survival. Every day, yeah. Every day, you got to. Be, there's no good choice. Mm-mm. Right. I'm going to make the choice of lesser two evils so I can survive. Yeah. And those are lessons from our from our grandparents and our great grandparents that I don't think the current generations are 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 understanding and embracing. Yeah. It's going to be interesting because people do act differently in crisis situations. Sometimes something new comes out of those things. Like um, I, I was saying the country had huge changes during the Great Depression because it was the Great Depression. Those changes couldn't have happened in the 20s. You know, it it took uh, a global collapse of the economy, you know, for us to have social security, you know, which is so ironic. I mean, the government changed. It took people, you know, fighting in the streets and dogs, you know, attacking black people on television for us to have a voting rights act and a civil rights act. Like people had to really experience the humanity of that, you know, to see those things, you know, now with the global pandemic, you know, and people's lives in the margins in different ways, both economically and health wise, you know, we saw that kind of reckoning I felt in the primary process where people were acting like everything was normal. Nah, Joe Biden, you're not left enough. You know, we don't care about you guys. You know, I'm voting for Buttigieg, you know, or these types <laughs> of things, you know, but as soon as the pandemic hit and black people were saying, no niggas, we got we to gotta win right now. <laughs> South Carolina's like, no, niggas. <laughs> this is a whole different game. You guys do that. You can do that stuff later. But right now, we need Joe Biden. <laughs> That's what like, we're doing. I don't know what the fuck y'all talking about. Yes, but it, it <laughs> but we got to be like, practical. We got to win. <laughs> yes, it felt like that was a clarifying moment where ideology was pushed aside for what you're calling political practicality. Yeah. You know, and Black people did lead that, which really surprised a lot of people. It's like, because as you say, We've been politically practical our entire fucking lives. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yes, we've had to be in order to survive. We've had to be, yes. 
<laughs> like we, there's no time. There's no time for 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 ideological battles <laughs> when when our lives are literally. We don't have the luxury. Right, we don't have the, the luxury, luxury of that. That's the right way to put it. Yes, you know. So, but so that's what I mean. Now going forward, it's like okay, Biden. Now what you gonna do? <laughs> you know, like that. Like, <laughs> that's gonna come up at some point once the euphoria goes down and say, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know we got Kamala on the wings. We know that. We know that. But right now, what you gonna do? You know. And, and by the way, that's fair because that's how politics is supposed, is supposed to work, and it's gonna be bumpy. Because look, I hell me too. I'm like that criminal justice reform that George Floyd criminal just, justice just and policing reform that act that, yeah. that that House Democrats passed. Yeah, Biden, I want that law. Yeah, right. Urban investment. Yeah, I want that to be law. But also in in this, wait, you don't want the you don't want the platinum plan. <laughs> I have the platinum plan. I, I have the platinum plan, but it's with MGM. I think is I, mean, I got the platinum MGM. Yeah. American <laughs> Express. I think I have the platinum plan, but. <laughs> but we also can't get lost in this because we have not talked about this. Yeah. Is Senator Harris is the vice president? Yeah, oh, like, yeah, absolutely. That's a huge crack in the glass ceiling for for women, mm-hmm. and it's how appropriate. Look, black women. Look, I tell my brothers we. Look, we got to step step back and let black women have this moment. It's their moment. Mm-hmm. We got to be good with it. We got to embrace it. We got to lift them up. This is their mm-hmm. moment, and and they deserve this moment. Yeah. Um. And you know, and I think you know, you know, Senator Harris, you know, Vice President Elect Harris, um, encapsulates that. Um, yeah. You know, strong, strong. You know, and she refers to herself black, but you know, mixed race. She sure. she looks like she looks like the future America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, and I think that symbolism is is awfully important from a diversity standpoint, but also from a gender standpoint. Is you do have a you know that woman of color cracking that mm-hmm. black feeling. Now, unfortunately, fifty five percent of white women voted for Donald Trump. They didn't come along. But at this, and at the same time, Kamala represents the complexity of the political system because people are calling her a cop. You know <laughs> these types of things. There's not the left wasn't they were not in love with Kamala for her record you know, as much as her image. And that is a problem, you know. Um, I'm not saying it's a problem going forward, but it does, you know, part of what you're saying too, it makes it real also. It's like, and I, it'll be interesting to see, like Kamala doesn't have to worry being vice president right now of having to, you know, be straightforward, I'll say, you know, about certain things, you know, because she'll be dealing with the president's agenda. But there will come a time, hopefully will she will be and have actual those actual levers of power herself. And it'll be interesting to see what the world's like then, you know. I think she's the future. I think the future of the party, I, her, I think her future is bright. And she, yeah. I think she's going to be the future of the party. Let's be clear. Yeah. Um, you know, when Biden isn't running, she's going to run again. And I think she's going to be awfully tough to beat. Yeah. Um, could you imagine a Kamala versus Nikki Haley uh, 2024 presidential race? It's like, all right, which half Indian uh, you guys get about? <laughs> Indian Americans would certainly love that. Oh yeah, they're like, "This is a win-win, yo." <laughs> the problem is that the problem with that is that fantasy is. Uh, do you think for one moment Trump's not going to run again? <laughs> do you think he will? I mean, doesn't isn't this what he really wants? Honestly, as much as I mean, 
here, when you strip away everything else, that motherfucker doesn't want to do the work of president. No, he, he doesn't want to do the work at all. No, he likes the power and the trappings, but he doesn't want to do the work. He's probably exhausted. He probably, he wishes, he. I think he wishes there was a, a way he could exit the stage, you know, with keep with with some kind of image of this grand grand wizard, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> That's you appropriate. Know, who served his country well, you know, and could. But, uh, but he certainly, but he doesn't want to do the work, and he hasn't done the work. I but it's know, his, I know. You know, let's be clear. He he's an accidental president. Yeah, he is completely accidental president. He didn't think yeah. he was going to be president, but this was yeah. part of. You know, he's a hustler. This was part yeah. of his hustle, and yeah. then by accident, because of. I would say because of tribalism. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> he became president with, with just what 46, 47% of the of the overall vote uh, because of a, a fluke in our electoral system. This this man becomes president by by accident. But also, I think why wouldn't he run again? Because it's about it's about really? the unless he's in jail. I think yeah. unless he, unless he's in jail. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I unless he's in jail, I, I do think he does flirt with running again because it gives him a platform mm-hmm. and they can raise lots of money and, and, and spend it at Trump uh, properties. <laughs> right. Where do you, well, uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think, I do think Trump has changed the party. You know, I, I think it's going to have a lasting effect and who's going to come out of that will be an interesting thing to uh, see. Uh, I don't think to your point, again, I don't think, Bushes and the Kasichs uh, and the Romneys of 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 the of the Republican world, they can't win the nomination anymore. Yeah, and they can't come back and have an influence. It feels like in that uh, in, in the party anymore, which is going to be interesting. So where, where do, you... do they go? And I think and yeah. so I think I think the the ideal of a third party is is more immediate and real mm-hmm. because of a splinter on the right than it is a splinter on the left. Yeah, the only the only difference is it's going to be uh, the fissure in the Democratic Party is going to be felt because they're making the decisions, you know, at that certain level. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. What does your next drive look like? Running between meetings, maybe a getaway with the whole family. Either way, the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life with premium interiors, available wireless charging and room for your whole cargo and crew. OK, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. What about the um, the cultural movement on the left right now, especially in regards to race, you know, that people, for the first time, a lot of white people experience what we've been experiencing for a long time because Tiger King had ended, you know, and they had nothing to watch. So they were watching the George Floyd video, <laughs> <You know? laughs> which uh, I was joking to my friends. I said, yeah, Nigga King came on now, you know, they got to say what was going on with us, you know, but, you know, um, much like Vietnam on television in the sixties, people got to watch what was happening in real time. The peril that many black people feel you had, and let's call it an opposition president, but now you don't have an opposition president to that issue. But what happens to that issue and some of these other issues, because will Biden, do you think will try to govern as someone who's trying to do, as we said earlier, be reaching across the aisle, making concessions or does he say i don't care about that here are the issues that the people who voted for me really care about and that's what i want to do do you have a sense of of what's no, going to well, happen there, there's nothing about joe biden's sort of his history and his politics that says that here does is that he's not going to be 
the person who reaches across and tries to make a deal. I mean, everything about his political history and sort of who he is speaks to that he's someone who wants to reach across and make a deal. And hell, his speech last night, um, you know, he talked about we got to come together. And mm-hmm. it was really sort of Obama-ass about, you know, no red America or blue America to a certain extent. Uh, so I, so I think I think there is going to there's there's go, there are going to be those there are going to be those attempts. Um, the question is, how does the right respond to that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, under the Obama presidency, they didn't respond at all. I mean, mm-hmm. let's, let's take let's take the thing that they hate the most right now, which okay. is ACA. Mm-hmm. You know, and I hope a lot of your people that you're listening to, they may have forgotten, but the ACA was a Republican idea. Yeah, it was Romney care. It was Romney care. It was yeah. developed by, by think tanks on the right. The Heritage Most Foundation it, and those type of places. Right. Mm-hmm. The ACA would not have been the choice of uh, the progressives and 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 the Democratic House. Right. It would <laughs> yes, not. Yes. You know, President Obama, this became sort of what President Obama thought that he could, being that it was a Republican health care plan, he could sure. actually get Republicans to come along. Yeah. But then we forget. But no, they weren't going to come along with anything that he did because he did it. Remember a lot of people on the left were upset that Obama was invoking people like Reagan, you know, and talking about him instead of Clinton, you know, when he talked about ex-presidents. It's like, what is Obama doing? Is What's going on here? You know, but I think that also was his attempt to kind of be his no red states, blue states, 2004 speech as president, you know. Um, but as soon as he realized that wasn't the case, you know, I guess he did what he did. And do you think that's going to happen with Biden when he gets this opposition and it's like, you guys are stupid. Why are you opposing me now? Now, do you think he's going to just turn and say, now it's just me and AOC? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if I think that we are not going to see um, Gritlock go away in Washington. Mm-hmm. I think, and, and look, I, I think, and this is something that Obama tried to talk about, especially with young people going up uh, going up to election about the process and how it's you mm-hmm. know things don't happen overnight and you got to stay in the game um folks we are we you know we're not going to see um uh gridlock end in washington mm-hmm. uh, overnight you're not especially if the senate doesn't especially if the senate doesn't flip and we don't change some of the rules that that govern uh filibuster because right now if you look at the senate it's it's tyranny of the minority Mm-hmm. It is. You know, you have you have these small states uh, and some and in some ways, you know, lessening in population mm-hmm. um, versus the bigger states where where <laughs> where, you know, it's it's millions upon millions of more people represented by 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 the by the by the Senate minority than by mm-hmm. the Senate majority. Mm-hmm. And again, we go back to sort of talking about democracy versus republic. Right. Mm-hmm. It, in a democracy, this isn't this isn't even a thing. By the way, in a democracy, the guy who's leading the presidential race by four million votes mm-hmm. isn't a close race. Only right. only in our country, only in our sort of form of of democracy, air quotes, does the guy who's leading by four million more votes supposedly in a tight race. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, you know, if we really believe in democracy, do we need to change some of these things? Uh, and do how do we th- go about changing some of these things? Do, do you think the Electoral College is going to stick around? A lot of people want to change that. I always feel like the people who lose always want to get rid of the Electoral College. <laughs> like, I wonder, but this could, we could be different this year, though. Uh, I could be wrong about that. There could be, 
you know, people who, even though winning this year, still want to get rid of that for whatever reasons. What do you have a take on that? Or I'm sorry, Larry, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you're 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 wrong as fuck. Actually, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> about is, people wanting to get rid of it. About uh, about a, a bare chance for the, for us to get rid of it. Because here's why, Larry. Do you remember the last time a Republican won a majority in this country nationally? No, it's 2004. It hasn't. Before then, it was uh, 88. No, George Bush did not win a majority. Oh, no, but not a majority, but he won the popular vote. Yes, but I'm yeah, even but talking about a majority. The, the last time may have been Reagan, maybe? Yes. Right. You know, seven when was the last last time? Last when was the last se- time a Democrat won the majority? They're, Joe Biden is going to win 52%. Right, but when was the last time before that? Uh my guy Barack motherfucking Obama won a majority <laughs> in 08 and 2000. Did, he win, did Obama win over 50%? Barry, I'm about to hang up the Zoom. I didn't know what those, that number was. Yes, he won okay. over 50%. I wasn't, I wasn't sure about that. All right. Yes, he won He won back-to-back majorities. Okay, uh, good. And you got to go a long way back in history before you start looking at someone, as I said, a Democrat winning back-to-back majority. I had to go back of LB. the vote, yes. Um, before you signed the civil rights legislation and realigned the parties, um, about seven of the last eight um, elections, Republicans have not won a plurality of the vote. So why in the why on earth would they want to get rid of the electoral college? Electoral no, college I I understand that. that. I'm right. I'm saying it's the Democrats who want to get rid of the electoral college for those reasons. And I'm asking, do you think that's good? Is that feeling still going to be around? Was well, my for me, was. I don't want to get rid of the electoral college because, because of some partisan thing. The electoral college is, a, is, is a relic of, of slavery. <laughs> right. But I'm saying when people talk about it and no one talked about getting rid of it in 08, that's what I'm saying. But they talked about yeah, it getting rid of it in 2000. There was a, it, there was a movement. There was a movement even before Obama to get rid. Of, from time to time, there are movements. Mm-hmm. I know this because I, 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 you know, I had some conversations with some people who wanted, who wanted me to do some polling work around it. I think before yeah. 08, um, that there are times where people, where there are some movements uh, that sort of get rid of this electoral college. They, they've never been successful uh, for one reason or not because it, mm-hmm. it's hard to get rid of things. It's hard to get rid of structural. Uh, Things like this that are that are, right. that are built over and over time, but at some point, <laughs> at some point, you know, things that were good 400 years ago doesn't mean they're good today. Yes, <laughs> your passion about the electoral college is clear, which means is there going to no, be? I'm passionate about Barack Obama winning majorities. I know. I just at the top of my head, I just didn't have that on the top of my head, but I'm happy. <laughs> I'm very happy about that. Look, Obama got historic votes. You know, when he ran for president, of course. You know. Um, but, uh, you know, but it's still crazy that, you know, Trump got 70 million votes. It's still a crazy thought, you know, <laughs> yeah. like even though we're saying the majority and all that stuff, the number is significant as well, you know. Yeah. But to that point, but to that point really quickly, I will say this about about, about the Trump presidency is mm-hmm. it did waken participation up and have people think about politics mm-hmm. in a different way and, and more engaging than than they had in the past. Right. We will probably have uh, close to 65, 66% of eligible voters vote this time around, which is not had, you know, that hasn't happened since before women could vote. Mm. Um, that so many eligible voters actually Voter participation. Up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you do have more Americans participating. And even in that increased participation, 
the majority of Americans, not the plurality, but the majority of Americans overall are going to choose the light over the darkness. Are they going to choose the guy who actually believes in democracy and the rule of law versus the guy who flaunts it every, every chance he gets? And that makes me feel good about America. You know, it, it, it is a it is a it is a democratic little d uh, majority, uh, but it's tenuous. Right. But would you say I'll take a little bit of exception since we're using nomenclature, you know, and words here. It's not really the majority of the Americans. It's the majority of the voter turnout, you know, for being clear about yes. that. Yes. I mean, really, yeah. it's no, not really no, the majority of Americans. Oh, no, here's you know? my elitism. If right. you're not voting, you're not. Screw you. Fuck you. <laughs> well, tell that to Ice Cube and some of these other people who, you know, people okay. who claim if you're to not be voting, voting. If you're not, vote, you're not voting, fuck off. What is your take on this? Like, I, it astounds me when I see some people, uh, high-profile people who, because <laughs> I didn't give like to this at all. I'm voting for the first time, and I'm so excited. I want people to get out there. Say, motherfucker, you can't tell us to get out there if you're voting for the first time and you're in your 40s. What kind of fucking, what kind of bullshit is that? Your, your enlightenment isn't impressive. Sorry. You know, not when the boat is sinking, <laughs> you know. Hey, everybody, I just learned how to how to prevent boats from sinking. It's too late, you know. Although I got to, you know, in, in times of trouble, I'll take I'll take all hands sure. on deck when we can get them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I hear. I don't want to be too salty about that, but it is kind of funny. Um, but I'm kind of salty about it also, but. <laughs> I, uh, I get salty about a lot of things. Well, let me ask you this. The last thing, I appreciate you being with me because I'm sure you get some calls today of appearing and stuff or doing what you're doing. I've got and the British they, television after this, which is always oh, exciting because Europeans are fascinated how fucked up we are. <laughs> yeah, I know. But they got their own problems. It's like, I always think it's easy to pick on America, but niggas, you got, you've had problems for centuries. So stop pointing at us. You they know? literally <laughs> have a monarchy. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But when push comes to shove, you motherfuckers would be looking at us. So we know how that works, you know. But but it's not saying that they're wrong, you know, but I'm just saying, just calm down, Europe, calm down, you know. Um, Kamala Harris, what, uh, how are you feeling about that, just in general? Is she going to be one of these, is this going to be a moment for, like, young people, do you think, that's going to really make this uh, kind of difference just by the fact of her being there? Like, I always felt that our, you know, when Obama was president, that, his policies at the end of the day in the wake of, in the sweep of history would not even be nearly as important as the, the, the fact of his presidency, you know, uh, do you put Kamala in that category right now, especially for young women who for the first time and young girls, this is huge Cornell, you know, there was a huge, uh, psychic just disappointment PTSD when Hillary wasn't elected especially for women who felt like this is our moment right now. That was a beyond politics type of thing, you know? Well, two things. One, because I'm petty. Yeah. <laughs> on, on that, on that Hillary, on that Hillary piece. Well, mm -hmm. well, how about, how about more white women should have voted for the, for, for the person who, who was one of them and they didn't. Yeah. But that's, that's the people who didn't support her for whatever reasons, but those people weren't disappointed. You know, you're right. But but but, right. but that's my point. It's a sort of a gender thing. It is again, you you had this opportunity to, to this tremendous opportunity to break the glass ceiling. But again, majority of white women uh, didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. And and the majority 
And the 55 percent of, of white women this time around voted for Donald Trump, uh, you know, grabbing by the pussy Donald Trump. Um, someone who, who, who treats women like shit every opportunity gets. I mean, even even the women reporting on even him the, the, fake the White Mel- House. Even the fake Melania he treats like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's a, I'm not even going to touch that one right now. But, <laughs> uh, and which goes back to my, my whole mm-hmm. thing of, sort of tribalism, right? Uh, and, 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 and progressive, especially progressive women get pissed at me when I say this, but, but race has always trumped gender in this country. Right. It has always trumped gender in this country. And to a certain extent, you can understand the, the, the arc of our you know, our political arc in this country. Partially through uh, understanding of of race matters. Um, so 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 that's what I say about uh, about about that piece. The other piece on um, on the symbolism of Harris. Susan B. Anthony would be <laughs> would take issue with the 15th Amendment. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's my, yeah. my point. A lot of progressive, progressive, yeah. progressive, yes. progressive would, but but anyway, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be. Harsh. Yeah, we're not gonna go back to Reconstruction and have that. <laughs> we're not gonna go back to Reconstruction, or we're not go back to the fact that that you know I got you know people who look like us got killed because of race. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not sticking up for that point. I'm just saying. Um, yeah. the, <laughs> and when the cops pull me over, they're not pulling. You know, I, I get my ass beat because of my race. Mm-hmm. Um. He just riled me up. But anyway, on the racism riles me up, Larry, on the mm-hmm. symbolism piece of it, let's yeah. be clear. I think, I think in the end, people, sim- symbols are really important to people. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and Barack Obama was such a powerful symbol mm-hmm. for, 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 especially for people of color and for the hope and idea of America. This is what we want to believe about America. Mm-hmm. No matter who you are, one day you too can be president, right? This is this is this is, you know, all the romanticism that we want to believe about America. It, it is symbolic of that, and it is symbolic. You know, one of the most powerful things of of a, of the of the of the eight years of the Obama's presidency wasn't a piece of legislation. It was him bending down in, in the Oval Office so that little black boy could touch his hair. Yeah. Right. That that shit has that shit has such power and force. Yeah, because if that had happened in the 80s, he would have gotten it wet from the Jerry curl that Obama probably would have had. (laughs) And it would have been a completely different moment. (laughs) Look at that. I make Corey all laugh. He was he was salty for a while there. Now he's laughing. That's great. Racism (laughs) riles me up. Uh, But yeah, so I think I think Senator Harris has that same symbolic opportunity. And I got a I got a feeling She's gonna, um, she's gonna embrace it, and and she's gonna do well by it. Yeah, I I agree. I think this election, ironically, is more significant for Kamala Harris being vice president than Trump leaving office, than Biden becoming president. It's completely different. This is a a leap forward. Let's talk about this shit in four or eight years type of situation right now, and because uh, the next few years it'll be tough for anybody being president except for Trump, who wouldn't give a shit anyway. Um, <laughs> right? Who doesn't really want? To, who wouldn't do the job? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. Any last words or anything on this, or reflections, or or anything other special thing that hit you today, or is hitting you right now in this moment? America isn't perfect, but mm-hmm. but it still works yeah. if if we're engaged and, mm-hmm. you know, democracy isn't a part-time job, especially for people of color. Yeah. Um, you know, tyranny 
and and suppression is always at the door if you're not mm-hmm. guarding for it. So we got to stay in the game. Uh, we've got to stay politically active, yeah. and we can't pretend that 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 politics isn't for us, or we don't have a voice, or we don't have a say in it. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we step back from politics, bad things happen. So we got to stay in the game. And it's, no, our system isn't perfect. No, America isn't perfect. But it's ours, right? My 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 grandfather and my father had they have blood, dirt, and sweat in the soil throughout South in this country. No one gets to say this is not my country, and I'm in it. Uh, and we've got to stay in it. We can't. We we got to stay active and involved, and and we got to stay in politics because we can't step back from it because it's, it's it's unpleasant. But when we step back from it, Larry, bad things happen. Yeah. Tyranny does not take a day off. That is a fact, you know? <laughs> um, thank you so much. Uh, it's great having you on Cornell. I agree with you about that. Um, I do have hope. I was saying this on, on TV the other night. I have a lot of faith in our young people. They get shit on a lot and all this because every generation of course has a mix of, of everything, you know, <laughs> and the worst examples can always be the lead story, but the best examples don't always get the lead. And I do have a lot of faith that it, I'm always inspired by how much a lot of the young people really do care about it. Who, Yeah. Who cares? They don't get it right all the time. None of us do, you know, yes. but that gives me a lot of hope that, that people, they care about it on a level that is so inspiring, you know, want to want to lead the country in an interesting way. You know, when I don't know how much longer I'll be <laughs> <laughs> Push comes to shove, like I, you know, but in fifty years, what this country will look like would be really, really interesting, you know. The, yeah, the kids are all right. Just, we just, just got fucked up music. Uh, well, I don't know about that, but have you been listening to mumble rap, Larry? <laughs> <laughs> no, I gotta stay away from that. I'm more about uh doing what you're doing, you know, sitting outside, having those stogie right now, just chilling. <laughs> right, it's a celebration yeah. time. Oh, big time. I was doing that last night, actually. <laughs> you know? uh, Cardell Belcher, you guys can see him all the time at MSNBC. Uh, he's one of the, man, he's one of the sharpest, best voices out there. And I love seeing him getting riled up, you know, <laughs> riled up for race, for racism. You know, it's the, probably the mildest way you can put it, I guess. But, uh, but it's great. Thanks so much for being a Black on the Air, Cornell. Thanks for having me. <laughs>